Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan, that's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought, a show combining two of your three favorite F-words. That's right, food and football. Nate, would you like to get a a guess as to what today's third F-word is? Fiduciary responsibility. No. Close. Uh, Close. <laughs> Was it? <laughs> Today's F word is flabbergasted. Ah. Because that is how I'm feeling watching football. That's not the Buffalo Bills. Mm. I'm feeling flabbergasted. I'm feeling yeah. like, you know, it, it, it's, you get a little spoiled, I think, sometimes. I think that's right. I wrote an article for buffalorumblings.com that the offensive scoring is down this year for the lowest since mark since 2010. And made a mark on to how it hasn't seemed to have been affecting the Buffalo Bills. No. Welcome all. Welcome one. Reminder that every show on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network is presented by Picasso's Pizza. Treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day. Picasso's, we are Buffalo Pizza. Shipping locally and nationwide. Order online at picassospizza.net. Nate, do you have a Genesee handy by any chance? I have this. Yeah, like you, have, you, have, you have it handy. I would like you to know that I had some of the crayon orange and I really yeah. enjoyed it because today's show and every show of Food for Thought is proudly presented by Genesee Brewing Company. Since 1878, Genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge into each pint, can, and bottle of their beer. They make no sacrifices when it comes to their beer, brewing each with the highest quality ingredients for a consistently great drinking experience. Look for Genesee beer, Genesee light. Cream Ale, Specialty Line, beers like Ruby Red Kolsch, Oktoberfest. Nate is Vanna Whiting, the glass right now. <laughs> Genesee Brewery, Rochester, mm-hmm. New York. Carl right away comes in fire and says, so what's the news? We're trading three first-round picks for Dalvin Cook to reunite brothers? I would scream. I would lose my ever-living marbles. Like, I would start you want screaming. Because you want it. No. Like the not not the good scream, like the blood curdling B movie nineteen fifties horror flick sort of screaming. Sure. Troy says, Nate, I see modeling in your future. I see modeling in your present, Nate. Can you do blue steel in my present? What about? I, I just I feel like I have like I could do blue steel. Can you do blue steel? Oh, that's pretty good. He did blue steel. He can do it. All right, this is important. Are you an Ambi Turner? Are you an Ambi Turner? Because that's really important. I don't know what that is, Bruce. Oh, no. Ambi Turner. It's a reference to Zoolander where he can't turn both directions. He can only turn one direction on the uh, walkway. Okay. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. I, I'm i I'm familiar with Zoolander. I can't tell you that I know it like I know Tommy Boy or the, the other, other guys. guys. Right. The other guys. The other are, guys. You on, are you 
Are you and me on the same other guy's wavelength or what? No, I didn't like other guys nearly as much as you did, but I know it's your movie. I know you well enough to know that that's your thing. It is so my thing. It's just there's too many good one-liners from that movie. And, And the thing about a movie like that, because it has so many actors in it, each of them have their own memorable parts with their own memorable lines, but that might be one of Mark Wahlberg's. I, I actually like like him in that. I I don't. I'm not a huge Mark Wahlberg fan. I think he's fine. I think he's overused. That was a really good, especially in comedies. He's not a good comedic role. So for me, if you want to go serious, you want to talk about you know, uh, what's that one random movie where he goes into the mountains and is a sniper rifleman, does all right, and and whatever other movies he's are that are action. He's a good action film star. In terms of uh, comedies, he's terrible. He's not funny. But in the other guys, it's almost like they it's weaponize. It's almost like he's a peacock. Not, yeah, you got to let, let him fly. Him fly? Yeah. yeah, but they like they weaponize his unfunniness in that, and they make him so like he's a serious character in that movie, which makes him funny. So you know that that that's my diagnosis of why. It's the funny other how unfunny so he is. That's why we're laughing. Exactly right. It's that's why we're laughing. We need to shout out Jeremy. Jeremy says Jeremy. the first time he has enjoyed this live. That's his third F. Wow. Jeremy, welcome. Welcome, welcome to the party, welcome. man. You're with a bunch of uh, really interesting people like JR. Uh, I've seen Troy in here before. Uh, we've got Karen. Karen's we've got, here. We've got, we've got the regulars. Uh, yeah, so welcome to our live show. We uh, we hope that uh, we don't disappoint. The, the pressure's on now, Bruce. The pressure is Bruce, on. And you know what we got to do to make sure that we don't cave to the pressure? Introduce you once again to the Food for Thought drinking game. I'm going to throw this on the screen for you. Go through it real fast. Number one, either host mentions their pet drink. Number two, either host mentions their Dynasty Fantasy Football League. Number three, Nate's cat jumps on his lap during the show. Number four, Nate name drops a local Buffalo restaurant. Five, the third F of the show is an item that's a subset of food. Number six, there's a super chat. Number seven, a winner or loser of the week is some version of all of us. Eight, Bruce says what I mean by that is. Nine, Bruce gives a fictional reason as to why his camera is not working. Number 10, Nate openly Googles something during the show. So when this happens, we all got to call it out in the comments section. You got to drink. You got to say drink. We all got to go. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yes. Moving along. Nathaniel. Yes. We're going to get started with food. Mm. That isn't what it once was. This is in honor of the Packers offense and Aaron Mm. Rodgers this week. Yep. And so we're going to start talking about food that isn't now what it once was. Maybe it was legendary and now it's just okay. Maybe it was good and now it's meh. Maybe it was bad and now it's terrible. But for whatever reason, the drop-off has been noticeable to us. Nate, start us off, my friend. All right, so I'm going to go back to a previous conversation we've had on this show before. So I'm going back for an oldie but goodie. Food that isn't what it once was, and it's a lot like the Green Bay Packers, Bruce, Burger King fries. Back in the day, that OG recipe could really give any of the other fast food chains a run for its money. But now BK has some sort of like way too thick cut fry that is like never cooked enough in the middle. And it's almost too potatoey in the middle. They're too thick and not cooked enough. So for me, they're a lot like the current recipe of BK fries where, you know, previous years they would have been the OG recipe. And I know you have a take on this too, Bruce, about Wendy's fries. You don't like 
the new school Wendy's fries. You're an old school Wendy's fries guy, right? That's correct. And that was going to be what I was going to say. But because you had fries, now I have to pivot at the last second. Bruce, because what did I literally we say? Had Wendy, you had Burger what King fries. I had show? Wendy's fries. What did we list. say before the show? There's no chance we do this again. There's no there's chance no... we come across the same thing again. There's no chance that we that we have picked the same thing again. There's no way because two and two shows would be way too much. And for for Jeremy, for those folks who either are listening afterwards or maybe this is your first time, the reason this is funny is that Bruce and I do not talk about the show with each other prior to the show. We get 20 minutes. We each hop on around 8.40 every evening. We chit-chat. We catch each other up on our week. But we do not tell each other what we are doing for these topics. So when I say BK fries and he's got Wendy's fries, we are at the same time learning that we have chosen the same thing two weeks in a row now, Bruce. Two weeks in a row we have chosen the same thing blindly. Friend, uh, I'm starting to I'm starting to there are murmurs now. There are people murmurs. are wondering. Are well, we the, the same good news people? is the good news is that you pontificated long enough for me to come up with another You're idea. Welcome. That's a good co-host right there. A great, a great co-host, right? You just got to step up when no, someone needs help. When you need a friend, you can call. You got a Nate friend Geary. in me. For me, it's going to be, because I can't use Wendy's fries, it's Panera's Broccoli Cheddar Soup that got changed in the last couple of years because mm. they went away from artificial coloring and preservatives and things like that. And because Ooh. of it, it's not quite as good as it used to be. It's still good, mind you. I like the Broccoli Cheddar Soup at Panera. Y'all know I'm a Panera stan. This you has been well-established, but it's not as good as it used to be. I'll still have it, and I'll still enjoy it, but it's not quite the same. Carl has hacked the system. He has realized that when he drops a Super Chat in, we all got a drink. So here we go. Drink up. We're all going to have a drink. I'm going to have a drink. Hold on. I got to grab my drink. Drink up. We're going to go. Great job, Carl. All right. <clears throat> I had a drink. That was my McDermott clap for Carl. Yeah, it's always slightly cupped with the hands. Yeah, but just completely slightly cupped. But like, yeah, yeah, very low register on the on the clap. That's right. It, it, it's, it's the way it it's, goes. It's pronounced. It's meaningful. Yeah, mm, for sure. Karen Thanks, says, Carl. "Watch out, Nate. FBI will be peeking in your window." I've got I've is. got the 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 basement windows here that that are down here. They're like that marbly glass that you, it's like blurry when you see through it. They're really yeah. thick, so they could peek all they want. This is my layer down here. They ain't finding me. Thomas has a take. Bruce is just Ooh. Howard Simon with a voice changer. Oh, <laughs> we got to do pick the bills. We got to do pick the bills on Friday night. What a great take. Cheers to that, Thomas. Cheers I to that. I cannot possibly have a higher compliment, though, because you know how much I love Howard. So I mean, who that, doesn't? That, that makes sense. That absolutely. Good one, Tom. Carl calls them process claps, specifically process claps. All right, Nate. If Bill's Packers was a food, Ooh, we're yeah. going to talk about what kind of food it would be. For me, if Bill's Packers was a food, it was eating my wife's cooking specifically up against my mom's. <laughs> That's right. I'm setting fire to the entire internet tonight. Oh, uh, It's like the my, Wendy's commercial. The, the Nobody makes better uh, French toast sticks than Wendy's. And then right. the mom's like, better than anyone? It's kind of like that. Exactly. And that makes sense. So my mother growing up, um, 
was a completely reasonable cook, right? No one would ever mm. look at my mother on an objective third-party basis and go, she was an amazing cook, but she's a completely reasonable cook. Now, it's very important to note that my mother was medically unavailable to do much cooking for me for the almost the entirety of my high school career. My mother was in a coma for a large portion of my high school career. So I, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but yeah, my mother was of it. completely unavailable for all mm. that stuff. So most of my high school was me cooking for myself and my brothers and I cooking for each other. And, you know, my dad trying to do his best for things like that. And so my mom just kind of not, didn't really get the cooking thing embedded in me. Well, when mm. my wife and I first got married, my wife really wasn't a cook either, but she sort of took to it and she's become one of the best cooks. I think I, I've ever met in, in such that my particular confidence level in my wife's cooking is so high that I will literally see anything go, Oh yeah, you could make that. Like I'm literally writing checks sure. that I don't even know if she can cash. I'm right? the same because way. My, cause my confidence level is so high in her. So if I eat my mother's cooking and then I turn around and eat my wife's cooking, I'm like, listen, mom, it's, it, it's perfectly reasonable. It's nothing cooking, personal. Right? This is nothing it's not personal. personal. Yeah. But it's not, it's not my wife. And it's my not wife the ladies. Should, Right. My wife should beat my mother in any cooking competition and it shouldn't be close. Could there be a day where she slips up? Sure. Yeah. She could slip up and, and my mom could win. Right. But at this point I would, if I'm a betting man, I'm taking my wife over my mom 10 times out of 10. That's the way I feel about Bill's Packers. Right. I'm feeling my wife, my wife, my wife, Troy thanks, says thanks, Troy. with Borat. So for thanks, me, Troy. when I look at, when I look at Bill's Packers, I think to myself, Aaron Rodgers is still a good quarterback, but it's not the same offense anymore, right? The Packers are still a good team, but it's not the same team anymore. That's just not what it is. I don't think it's quite the same as the Brady situation in Tampa Bay, but it it has mm. similar vibes to it. It has a lot weird. of similar vibes. There yeah. are three quarterbacks that were highly scrutinized based on changes around them this particular offseason. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes lost their number one receiver, and Tom Brady lost his offensive line. Look at the way that the differences have been. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes essentially hasn't missed a beat, right? He's fantastic. Now, the Chiefs offense is quantitatively good, but qualitatively yeah. different than it was, right? It's, it looks different from a functional standpoint, but it's still just as good as it was. The Packers offense looks completely lost without the ability to flow the it passing does. attack through Devontae Adams. And Tom Brady has struggled without the offensive line in front of him. So for me, when I look into Bill's Packers, I look into a situation where I can acknowledge that the Packers are a good team and then simultaneously, simultaneously say the bills need to whoop them like the bills. Oh need, yeah. This yeah. is not, this is not my mother's cooking. This is my wife's cooking out there and it needs to be dominant because it is better. This, ain't, this ain't your, this ain't your parents Packers here. Okay. Exactly. So that's bills Packers to me. Nate, hmm. what's bills Packers to you? So I'm going back to a oldie but a goodie here for this one again, Bruce. If Bill's Packers was a food, Vienna sausages, little canned sausages, you know, and the salty water. Here's the reason why Vienna sausages is, is so perfect for this for this matchup, and it's perfect for 
the individual and the collective, right? And like Aaron Rodgers, Vienna sausages are something that your grandparents love. Like, for whatever reason, my grandparents used to have, like, in the one cabinet, you'd open up the cupboard, and boom, there'd be Spam and Vienna sausages side by side, stacked up and stacked backwards. Like, like you're at a convenience store. Now, you can't even really get Spam or Vienna sausages at the grocery stores. You know where you can find them, Bruce? One of the only places you can find Spam and Vienna sausage. In America, like if, if you had to guess where they were, where where would you say that other than a supermarket? Bam and Vienna sausages. Aldi? Oh, you said you said aside from a supermarket. Yes, aside from a supermarket. 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven, Bruce. Oh, that I got is, it! That is where you can, like if you're in a pinch and you need some spam, boom, 7-Eleven. Yes. Vienna sausages, need, you're in a pinch, you got to make pigs in a blanket, 7-Eleven, right? And they got crescent rolls there. A lot you can do at 7-Eleven, I just want to say. But um, the reason I'm bringing Vienna sausage into this is Vienna sausages can be a little gross. They can be a little over salty. If you don't mix it with a good food, if you misrepresent it in a recipe, it can be not very good. Like it can just not taste good because it's a super processed, super salty sausage in a can, like at the end of the day, right? But Kind of like the, I, at least I think this matchup could be, Bruce, you mentioned laying a whooping on him. I, this could be a very, very ugly game for the Green Bay Packers. I look at their offense right now, Bruce, and they just are having so many problems finding, like, plan B, right? When plan, uh, You watch the beginning of these games, Bruce. They move the football. They find ways to get the running backs involved. Um, you know, they're using Tunyon. They're finding ways to you know, uniquely get the, I, I, I obviously Christian Watson's hurt now, but they really have not tried anything unique with him. And the offense, Bruce, to me, seems very boring. It seems very stale. It seems like the same exact offense they had without Devonte Adams. And what this is, is it's to me, Bruce, less of a Aaron Rodgers problem as it is a Matt LaFleur problem because Matt LaFleur came in and was the first coach in NFL history to have 13 wins in his first three seasons as a head coach. And you know what, Bruce, he didn't come in and change a whole lot with Aaron Rodgers. He had Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, right? And I think he took a lot of the same principles that were working in their previous regime with Mike uh, or with Mike McCarthy and adopted some of his Shanahan scheme in the run game. But for the most part, he kept a lot of those same passing concepts that came over from Brady or for um, for for Rodgers' time with McCarthy. And now they've been pulled that you you've pulled away this top weapon. And they have yet to evolve, Bruce. They have two running backs, a very unique style running game that everyone agrees they, they should use more. If they don't use it, Bruce, they just they don't know how to get A.J. Dillon going other than, I mean, right now, like Aaron Jones is their best receiver. So it can go a little gross. It could be a little like a nasty Vienna sausage or Bruce. It could be a classic matchup between two of the three best quarterbacks in the league. And I still think Aaron Rodgers is that guy. He just doesn't have separators. He doesn't have guys that can get open for him, that can create after the catch. Um, so it's just all on him. And, and here's the second part of this, Bruce. Can I tell you what I think a big reason of what's going wrong right now in Green Bay? Sure. I think it's something that Bills fans will eventually have to accept as well. The question will be, is can Josh Allen still be the passer he is now when he loses his mobility? And Rodgers is not the same guy 
after you know creating off script and off schedule plays. He's not extending plays. He's trying to win from the pocket like Brady, and he's not as patient as Brady is. He's never been that patient guy. What he's really good at is extending plays and pressing the ball down the field. His guys can't get open one-on-one and create enough separation to do standard vertical routes. He needs to get into the scramble drill and have guys that are covering in man-to-man coverage for three, four, five seconds. That's way, that way he can use his arm strength down the field. And he's not doing that anymore, Bruce. He's not extending plays. He's not the old Aaron Rodgers. He's this new West Coast style. I want to, I have to win from the pocket. I still have an elite level arm. But he doesn't have the guys that can just get open in those in, in on those short and intermediate routes. And he's not a he's never really been a true timing and anticipation thrower. He's been a an arrogant thrower of the football down the field, and it's gone. And I think it's made it really tough for him. But my hope is that this game turns into the perfect combination of Josh Allen versus Aaron Rodgers, just like the perfect combination exists between crescent rolls and Vienna sausages, pigs in a blanket in the oven. Nothing better. I mean, that that that's one of my favorite treats you can have. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot like Vienna sausages, maybe most specifically Vienna sausages made into, hopefully, pigs in the blanket. Uh, if, if this is a close game, bros, uh, like, are, are you – this is a two-part question. Are you rooting for a close game, like a shootout? Um, and if it is a close game, is that cause for concern for you? Number one, I am never rooting for a close game ever. Okay. Ever. Okay. I will never, I will never root for a close game. The second thing is the second question was, how do I feel if it is a close game? Yes. If it is a close game, then I think the narrative can easily be that you saw the best from one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And it still wasn't enough. Yeah. That's what I think. So no. I want to, I'm with JR. I want to blow out. I did an entire, entire segment on the Bruce exclusive earlier that, you know, close games are essentially a coin flip and I have no interest in leaving it to a coin flip. So mm. absolutely not. Yeah. I want to beat him by 21. I think it would tell me a little something. Um, and listen, I, I'm not, it's a long season and I tweeted this and oh my gosh, Chiefs fans who I was so complimentary of after that game on Sunday, two Sundays ago. It was just complimentary of them. I'm thinking, you know, you see a lot of the fans after the game kind of like, you know, saluting, hey, you guys got a great quarterback. Bills are going to great. See you in January, right? And that's kind of how it seemed like it was going to be left on Sunday. But, boy, I was wrong. I mean, I I tweeted out that – and it wasn't even towards Chiefs fans. It was towards the national media who all of a sudden, well, my God, after the Chiefs blow out San Francisco, they're they're the best team in the league again just because the Bills were on bye week and and everybody forgot that the Bills' defense – without Tredavious White and Micah Hyde, held their offense to just 20 points. Um, so, and then every Chiefs fan is, ah, ah, rent-free, baby. Just this, you know, weird obsession about have, having to have everybody tell everyone that the Chiefs are always great and that the Bills only beat them in the regular season. It's just this weird complex. Also, but, that's a compliment on the yes. Chiefs' offense. Like, look how good they are, and the Bills were able to hold them to 20. The Bills yeah. were able to hold that amazing offense yeah. to 20 points. That's yeah. not – that is not a negative. No. No, not at all. That's the, that, that was the, just the confusing thing and the confusing part to me. But, yeah, I don't know. If this is a close game, 
I don't want to read too much into it, but I, I want to tell you, Bruce, that with an extra week of preparation, it just feels like so ripe for a blowout because of that preparation, because how much I know this team. Now, preparation by who? By preparation by the coaching staff. I mean, the players took the week off, and I think they earned that. And I'm not telling you that anybody – no no other players for other organizations, other teams, are just sitting in the facilities and watching film during their bye week. Um, it's their day off in the middle of the season. So, But I know Sean McDermott certainly – I mean, maybe he took a couple of days to hang with the family, but I can guarantee he spent the extra time trying to make sure that his defense is not the defense that – gets them back on their their trajectory upward. You know what I mean? I think that's that's really probably where this Bills defense is looking and preparing for is you just don't want to be the defense that feels like you kicked the Green Bay Packers back on track. And, you know, obviously on Thursday night, the Baltimore Ravens were not that defense against Tampa Bay. They, they beat them while they were down. And I, and I think if the true passing of the torch happens, I'd really like Allen to, to do like a – I'd love to see a Steelers game, a 38-3, to something like that, where – Allen's got 400 yards and four touchdowns and Rogers, you know, 21, 21 uh, completions for 155 yards or something, you know, and it's just like so very obvious which of the two players is, is you know, the ascending player, the, the great player that would feel good for me. And I think that's kind of what I'm looking, especially on Sunday night football on that stage, you know? Yeah. Shifts passing in the night. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Moving along, there was a trade made this week that the Bills were particularly interested in, and I'm not talking about James Robinson to the AFC East Jets. I'm talking about Kadarius Toney from Joe Shane, former Buffalo Bills assistant GM, current New York Giants GM, Mm -hmm. to the Kansas City Chiefs. And it was one of the bigger stories in the NFL this week. And so just like we talked about the Christian McCaffrey trade last week. We're going to talk about the Kadarius Tony trade tonight. The Kadarius Tony trade makes me feel like Nate. The Kadarius Tony trade makes me feel like uh, I'm out at a steakhouse with all my buddies. And you know how, when you go out with a large, maybe, I don't know, maybe not everybody does, but like I, when you go out with to dinner with a large group of people, you tend to have like, two, three, four conversations all going on at once. Sometimes when you're at a really big table, you might even have two waiters or waitresses at your table ordering just to get everybody ordered up and getting ready to go, right? So sometimes people can order something that you didn't hear when they ordered it, and then it arrives at the table. You're like, oh, I should have got that. Like, oh, man. And so what I think of is like I'm at a steakhouse with my buddies, and, you know, everyone's going to get sort of the same thing, maybe a different cut of steak, different – you know, temperatures, some people are going to like theirs medium rare. Some are going to like theirs medium, well, rare, right? Whatever, whatever your, your, your stick is. But then somebody's steak comes out and it's Oscar style. And you're like, oh, I didn't even think about asking if they had Oscar style. And you're just like jealous. You're looking at his steak. You have the same cuts of meat. They're both fillets, delicious cuts of meat. Uh, my, mine is cooked perfectly, of course, mind you. Of course, and Oscar style looks like it's elevating it to a different level of an experience that they're going to have at that same dinner. And I thought we were about to have the same experience. And that guy's got crab with hollandaise sauce on his freaking steak. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about the Gadarius 20 trade. I'm. I think your 
trying to sell yourself and sell all of this short by saying that it means nothing because he's always injured. I think you're projecting a little bit. Uh, he's a very, very, very interesting player. And I think he goes to the one team and the one organization that will find ways to use his unique skill set that I think matches up uniquely well with Patrick Mahomes and what he does. And, you know, him being able to find areas in, in, in the zone coverages and being able to be a yards after catch guy, he is not Tyreek Hill. But he, ha- he moves in short areas a little similarly. He's got this really strong burst in short area quickness that I've really liked and, and, and was kind of hoping I would see in New York. It just never materialized. But I think because of the, the off-script nature of that offense and what Patrick Mahomes does, I think it's a uniquely good fit. And, and I'm a little jealous of them continuing to add. And I think what you're getting a peek into, Bruce, is – a new style for Kansas city on how they're building and how they value the wide receiver position. I saw somebody tweet about this. Like now is the time to lock up Juju Smith Schuster. He's 25 years old. And why would you do that? Like he's a one year guy. He'll make, you know, he'll put up some stats and go make some money as a number two wide receiver somewhere else. Right. And they'll just continue to rotate guys in with some speed that can do some things off script that aren't necessarily right. As long as, you're in the Travis Kelsey is elite era, which they still are. I think it's just going to be a rotating door of young receivers that are a certain type of player. And I think you're seeing the next phase, the next age or the next era of that in Kansas city with the Kadarius Tony trade. Now it could be a dud. He could never see the field because he can never stay healthy. I'm willing to bet he ends up having a very different career now that I think, I think his career is about to take a very, very different path than it was in New York. The thing for me when I look at Kadarius Tony and I watch Kadarius Tony film is he's just a unique mover. Yes. He, he just moves different than everybody else on the field. It is it is not hyperbole to say he's a special mover. And yeah. in that particular offense that can take advantage of people who are special movers, I think it's worth noting. Now, like you said, could be hurt forever. Now also I don't think his hamstrings are as badly hurt as they made it seem like he was. I'm not entirely sure it was a hamstring issue. I think it was a we're hamstrung by your presence. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's what it was. We as an organization are hamstrung by your presence. It felt to me like unloading Sammy Watkins did Mm. when Brandon Bean came on board. Unloaded Sammy Watkins. They just weren't able to get Kadarius Tony to get meaningful value until now. So they were just holding him. So they said, we're not shopping Kadarius Tony. And I believe that they weren't shopping Kadarius Tony, but they, it's because they were, nobody was willing to give them anything. And now yeah. the chiefs come in and they face man coverage more than any team in football this year. And they go, okay, so that's what the post Tyree kill era looks like. Yep. And, and sky Moore isn't quite the guy right now. Oh, okay. And, and Juju's. Just a guy, he's fine, and Markel's validating Scantling is just a guy, and Travis Kelsey seems to be like literally never ending. Like I thought the Travis Kelsey era was gonna be over two years ago, and he's still here it ain't. doing special stuff. It ain't over. I'm starting to like rethink everything I know about Travis Kelsey because I thought 33 years old, he's gonna start declining. I'm starting right. to think 36, 37 now. There's a reasonable chance that when Ty- when Travis Kelsey's done, there will be no question as to who the greatest tight end of all time is. No one will say it's Gronk ever because it'll be Travis Kelsey by a landslide. But yeah, 
for me, the Kadarius Tony trade makes me feel like I'm McDonald's and I'm watching Burger King introduce the Big King sandwich. You're going, well, hold on. Wait a second. Hold on. That's my thing. Love that. that that's my thing. You can't have Big King. We, you, it's like, it's a clearly a ripoff. You're trying to yes. do the things that we're doing. You're just mad you're not us. Well, you mm-hmm. can't do that. I don't like that. Stop trying to do that. Because I don't know if you've had a Big King. It's actually good. I could make an argument a Big King's better than Big Mac. It's not as famous. You're not. You're not going to do that, though. But I'm not I look at you. the Big King and I go, what, you, you, I, I'm the Big Mac guy. You can't do that. Why are you doing that? It's, I'm not necessarily saying I'm threatened. I'm just a little perturbed. That's mm. all. Mm. And I think that's the best way to look at it. Even if I'm not threatened necessarily by it, I look at you and go, you're trying to copy what we're doing. We, The Buffalo Bills have very, very special movers before the catch. Stephon Diggs is a very yes. special mover before the catch. Kadarius Tony is a special mover after the catch. But you look at this and you go, well, that's that's – kind of perturbing but then on the other hand you think to yourself you're only doing that because you're threatened of me the chiefs had the buffalo yeah. bills come out and play a lot of man against them and came away and go i think we need someone who has 2.8 yards per route run was a top 25 receiver in yards per route run against man coverage in 2021 Kadarius tony a man beater He's a man beater, make him work hard, make your zone hard, make you cover hard. Oh yeah, and he's a man beater. Okay, anyway, we're just going. You know what? That that we're doing. I think it works. It totally works. I'm gonna I write was, an entire song I about was that. Jamming. I was jamming. I'm gonna write a whole song about that. It's gonna be. It's gonna be happening. It's gonna show up on the next. I'm into it. Musical. I'm into it. It's gonna be a thing. I would support it. So that's how the Kadarius Tony trade makes me feel. I'm not threatened. But I'm perturbed, but at the mm. same time, I'm kind of flattered because... Yeah, that's a good way of putting it's it. It's a strange yeah. combination. And that, I thought, was a really, really, really good food simile for that. Was And you know, Bruce, I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a fair conversation to have because it's true, which is that the Bills have built their roster and their team as if they know they've got to beat the Kansas City Chiefs to get to their ultimate goal, right? And, and maybe, Bruce, God forbid, hope this doesn't happen, but the Bills beat the Chiefs and they get to the Super Bowl and they don't win and they've got to face the Philadelphia Eagles team and the Eagles win. And then they'll be building towards how to beat the Philadelphia Eagles, right? Like it could change, but right now their roster building has been trying to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And the flattering point, I think, is an important one. I think it's true. This is the first time in this matchup that we've seen a defensive move from the Kansas City Chiefs and how they roster build to what the Bills do. Everything has been, oh, well, we, we're, we're trading Tyreek Hill. We do what we do. We're, right, like nothing can stop them along their path and their plan of what they believe that they're good at, how they're going to evolve as a team, as a roster, as a scheme, and all that crap, right? This was a move that was kind of like a, a chess piece move that you make because the guy on the other side of the board made a particular move. And that move was beating them on a stage. And I think it was a little bit of a recognition, Bruce, that how you built it can beat us. How do we counter? And I think that's fair to say that that is their counterpunch to what the Bills did to them 
a couple weeks ago on Sunday. I, I like I don't think that's an overreaction. I also don't think that this move in a vacuum even makes a difference in that game, Bruce. I'm not sure that it does. I don't know if it necessarily does. We'll find out, obviously, we when the Buffalo yeah. Bills play the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs because that feels like that's going to happen again. And when it does, there will be a lot of eyes on the way that the Chiefs team is necessarily different than it was when they played the Bills the first time, and that might include Kadarius Tony. So we have got a mailbag question to get to, and it's from Brandon. And Brandon, Brandon. says, with the upcoming trade deadline, there's a lot of chatter about the Bills trading for a running back. I understand that value in what we give up in the trade is important, but let's set aside what it would cost for a second. Is the Bills below average running performance due to our running backs uh-huh. or the offensive line? It might be a combination of both, but which factor weighs more? It sounds like this guy wants plurality pie. Nate. Sounds like, like exactly what he wants. From what I can tell from the stats I've been able to find, the run blocking has been bad, Brandon says. So even if they trade for a running back who's better than Singletary, how much would that actually improve the situation giving the offensive line? However, running back is a singular position. While the offensive line has five guys, trade for someone on the offensive line, a guard maybe, is only improving one-fifth of the line. Thus, a better running back may not solve the problems, but you're unlikely to fix it by adding a solitary offensive lineman either. What kind of reasonable move, if any, would meaningfully improve the Bills' running game? Thanks, as always, Brandon. Now, because this is being sprung on Nate at the last second, I'm going to go first so that Nate has an opportunity to cover because that is what good hosts do. That is what good hosts do. I wrote an article for buffalorumblings.com where I talked about the Bills not needing to make any moves to the trade deadline to win a Super Bowl. So let's talk about Kareem Hunt for a second, because that's kind of the the buzz when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. Strictly on the field, Kareem Hunt. We're going to dismiss all the topics we can talk about about Kareem Hunt off the field. Okay. So the asking price is allegedly a fourth-round pick. 27-year-old Kareem Hunt on expiring contract. Hunt has been a slightly better rusher than Devin Singletary this year. Slightly. He has a one-yard advantage in rushing yards over expected per carry. 0.54 versus negative 0.55 and a slightly better average of rushing yards after contact per carry 2.92 versus 2.77. So he's been a slightly better runner. And the reason I use those metrics is because they attempt to dismiss the offensive line as much as possible, because we all know that Cleveland's offensive line is a much better run blocking group than the bills offensive line. Mm -hmm. So, How much do those minimal improvements in runner change the game for a team that throws the ball 63.59% of the time and has a quarterback who runs the ball seven and a half or more times a game? Well, Bruce, Josh Allen wouldn't need to run as much if they had a running back like Kareem Hunt. Okay, number one, Josh Allen is going to be the most effective runner on this team regardless of who the running back is. And it always feels odd to me that the potential transaction, the acquiring of a running back that is heralded as being all in, right, or win now, would also use an argument that the Bills should take the ball out of their most effective rusher's hands more often when that's always been the argument with the longest tail 
That's the argument that's based on longevity and long-term planning. So you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't say, I want to win now, but I don't want my most effective runner rushing the ball. Mm. That doesn't make sense. You can't have both of it. So now the Bills could trade for an offensive lineman. That's the thing. But I looked this up. Going back to the beginning of the 2020 season, here are all of the offensive linemen that have been traded in the NFL. Ready? Here we go. Doesn't happen a lot. Justin Heron, Jesse Davis, Dennis Daly, Cole Van Lonen, Cody Ford, Matt Moletsko, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, Yassir Durant, Ben Bredesen, Billy Price, Orlando Brown, Mason Cole, Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, Marcus Cannon, Isaiah Wilson, BJ Finney. I'm just going to let that sink in for a second. Yeah, it's not good. There's not really a lot of good, good names offensive in there. linemen don't get traded. Orlando no. Brown has been fine. He's been whatever in, in Kansas. He's been fine, but he's certainly not what they were hoping for based on what they gave up. Rodney Hudson, perfectly good player, but he hasn't been in Arizona what he was for the Raiders. So, what are the odds of you getting? Well, let's just go trade for a guard, Bruce. Okay, cool. What guard? Who's giving up? Who's giving away good offensive linemen in the NFL right now? Every time we get to the NFL draft, we talk about how there is a significant lack of meaningful offensive line talent and how everyone's scrambling to get them. But then the second we get halfway through the year, we go, oh, we can just go get one. No, you can't. That's not how it works. You can't go get a good offensive lineman. So if the running back isn't probably going to move the needle much and you probably can't get an offensive line, I think you're setting your expectations really high if you think the Bills running game is going to get a lot better through external acquisition over the course of the trade deadline. So that's where I sit. I think, though, Bruce, there's a third aspect to this conversation that never actually gets brought up. I mean, it does, but it doesn't get brought up in the same question of saying, is it the running back? Is it the offensive line? As you know, Bruce, nothing in football is ever as black and white as that. And I think the third factor that doesn't get talked as much as those two do, to me, is the scheme. And the scheme is it relative to the skill set of the runner and a skill set of the offensive line. And to me, the scheme, the skill set of the runner and the, and the skill set of the offensive line do not mesh well. And they have not meshed well. A big reason because – and, and, here's, and here's why Kareem Hunt doesn't help this, right? Kareem Hunt, 4.62 40-yard dash. Devin Singletary, 4.66 40-yard dash. That's a lateral move for me, Bruce. Now, I will say – that James Cook, I've watched, 4.42, your 40-yard yeah. dash, I'm just saying. Yes, yes. And, like, I think about Kareem Hunt, and I think, okay, when I watch him, he's faster than those numbers suggest. He looks faster. Devin Singletary doesn't often. I'm never like, oh, wow, that popped. He looks fast. I, I don't really ever say that about Devin. He's a very methodical mover. But I, I, that's a lateral skill set move and does not solve the problem that I'm – attempting or thinking about trying to solve, which is finding a more schematic or strategic piece in the backfield that could fit better with what the offensive line is capable of doing from a scheme perspective. And that I think for me is people assumed because Aaron Cromer, I mean, people that know football at this level assumed Aaron Cromer was coming in. What'd you think, Bruce? Wide zone. I was thinking, okay, well, I thought wide zone. And I thought that James Cook would be more involved early because he would be better in his zone system. Exactly. And to me, Devin Singletary is not his own runner. He's just not. Like, if you put Devin Singletary in San Francisco, he wouldn't last very long. 
He I needs have, I have stats on that. I have data okay, on this. I like it. I literally I put these up an hour be- an hour ago, like right before our show. So the best game Devin Singletary's had this year was what game? Uh, Kansas City. Kansas City. Devin Singletary in that game ran zone five times and gap 11 times, which is the most lopsided ratio in favor of gap all year long. This was the exact same correlation that happened at the end of 2021. Gap Singletary's one. best games consistently come when zone is run less. In 2021, yeah. the Bills ran zone with Singletary 62.14% of the time through week 16. After that, they ran it 27.27% of the time. In 2020, they ran zone with Singletary 61.27% through week 16. Afterwards, they ran it 52.63%. They mm. always run more zone until the very end of the season because it's what they want to do. They want to run zone, and at the end of the year, they go, screw it. It's not yeah. working. We're yeah. going to go back to gap. And that's when you end up seeing success. And everyone kept talking about, at the end of 2021, how Singletary became the bell cow at the end of the year. Oh, man, it was so much better at the end of the year. Let's just keep doing that again. It's because they got away from zone. From zone. And they clearly right. don't want to get away from the zone. They, they want don't. to run zone. Which, which is, is why, why they'll I look. Wonder. And which is why I think you'll say the team loves Singletary. The offense has been good with him with his 80% in there. And I like, I, I think he's a good player in the NFL. The problem is this isn't an, so that's why I want to tell you that it's less of an offensive line problem because I think the offensive line can zone block fine. Are they elite level zone blockers? No. I just don't think they have the running back with the instincts in zone that can mesh with the skill set of the zone blocking ability of this offensive line, who I think is probably more, it's probably fundamentally better at zone blocking now with Aaron Cromer here, but it does not matter if it can't match up with the skill set of the running back in the backfield. And to your point, that is why I thought. James Cook could have an Arian Foster-like emergence in this offense because I thought he was going to walk in and be so just night and day better as a zone runner on a team that is desperately trying to run more zone. So, boom, I mean, I made that. So, to me, Bruce, that's where I start to ask the question of this is not a Kareem Hunt thing for me. This is a, is there a zone runner out there that could really take things to the next level? And somebody in this chat said it. They mentioned the name. Jeff Wilson. Now, I don't know if Jeff Wilson's available. If I were if I were San Francisco, I don't think I'm moving Jeff Wilson. Here's the reason the thing is about Jeff Wilson, though. Okay. We've already been down this road. Matt Breida was that. But he can remember hold on to the ball. Better, remember how much better Matt Breida was in zone? One of the big yes. discussion points about Matt Breida was he was really good in San Francisco. Then he went to Chan Gailey's offense in Miami, which is almost entirely downhill power running. Yep. And I was like, that doesn't fit at all. And then all of a nope. sudden he comes to the Bills. The Bills are going to run more zone. And we're like, okay, great. And then nothing. But So the is, thing is that Jeff I, Wilson just Matt Breida again? He could be, but I think he's better than Matt Breida. I think you look at the stats, he's got more volume numbers. Going into this year, 88 carries, 454 yards, two touchdowns, 5.2 yards per carry average, Bruce. Like, that's, a, that's something, again, and to Charles' point, we're not talking about spending a third rounder here, fourth rounder. He can be had, I think, for a six, fifth, six. But here's the thing. And, and if you're San Francisco, maybe you'd like to recover one of those picks. I just wonder that with the injury history of McCaffrey and not having Elijah Mitchell back and not feeling like you know anything about their uh, – what, what is that? Uh, what's their other back that they drafted with hyphen in his last name? Tyrion Davis-Price. Darius, uh, Davis-Price, who everyone in fantasy football has been trying to make him a thing. He's not a thing. Um, so maybe they look at that and say – we believe Jeff Wilson is our best second back, and he's going to be used in this offense. Um, 
of course, we don't know when Elijah Mitchell comes back, and maybe that changes things. But, I, yeah, I, I there's two names I thought about. I thought of Jeff Wilson, and there's another name, Cordell Patterson. But I don't know if he'd be available. So here's the thing, right? He's on the IR right now. For this to work, he'd have to get activated on Tuesday morning and then traded that day on the trade deadline. And I think that's a lot to ask, and he would have to really – I'm not sure he's available, you know, and he just resigned this offseason and Atlanta's better than people thought that they were going to be. And they've relied on the run game more than than maybe they wanted to. Um, I don't know. Th- those are the two guys I think could solve your we want to run zone, but we don't have a guy that we can trust to run zone. But we still want to run gap with motor when we want to run gap. I think they just want to find somebody that they can trust to run zone. Damn it. Like, you I know what I mean? Right. I think that's really it. And I don't know if there's a peer person out it's there. It's not even, that. it's not about being getting better than Devin Singletary. It's about finally finding the right compliment. They've been searching for the compliment for Devin Singletary to run zone, and they just have not found it. Uh they they're they are forcing the round circle or the 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 square peg into the round hole with, with Zach Moss. It has not worked. And that's why, and maybe Bruce, this conversation is just as simple as can Duke Johnson be that? And and I think both of us would agree Duke is better than Zach Moss. I'm not sure he's his own runner either. No, I don't think he is. I think your hope is that coming out of the bye, you get a post-bye week rookie bump from James Cook, who yeah. can be not, not the guy, because I don't think any of us think that James Cook's like the dude, but That's I right. think he can be a 60-40 40, 60, 50, 50 kind of guy. Can, can we a agree to that? Somebody mentioned this the other day. Well, James Robinson, James, I'm like, James Robinson is a younger, uh, the same age. Devin said they're, they're the same. Right. So James Robinson is the same. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give a seventh for James Robinson. Here's the reason why no. James yeah. Robinson is coming off the Achilles injury. And he was, he, he was not somebody who was explosive before the Achilles injury injury. Correct. And Correct. go, if you don't, if you don't know anything about Achilles injuries and running backs, just go up, look up the history. It is not a good it is literally a 100% death knell. Not a yeah. single instance of running backs who were good getting an Achilles injury and then becoming the same level of good ever again. Yep. It is a permanent decrease to your level of play. And James Robinson was an explosive player. And I love James Robinson, but he yep. wasn't. I, Illinois State, man, I was hyping him up before the Shrine Bowl. I go way back with James Robinson. I was a temporary host of Locked On Bills at that time because Joe was off because his daughter was being born. And I was hyping up James Robinson at the Shrine Bowl. Speaking of Joe Marino, remember the uh, the Ronald Jones conversation we had? Oh, sure. Last week about James Cook? Yeah. That originated from a conversation I was having with Joe Marino about Ronald Jones. And so for me, I look at James Robinson and go, that's not the solution to the problem. I, I don't feel better about that than I would about a Kareem Hunt move from an on-the-field standpoint. It's just not who he is. I would feel much better if Brees Hall hadn't gotten hurt and I could go get Michael Carter. But I'm not going to get Michael Carter because, you know, inter-division trade and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, it's right. it's it's a really interesting concept and interesting idea of, like, wh- where you could be. And, and I just actually found, uh, I was Googling. So everyone has to take a drink. Oh, uh, but Google, I didn't, I didn't drink. Hold on. I found a Bleacher Report article from 2015. Best scheme fits for drafts, top running backs, right? In this draft, this would have been Gurley, which was a balanced rushing attack. Melvin Gordon, power rushing attack. 
Number three, Duke Johnson. Zone blocking scheme. Dynamic running back from University of Miami is one of the more scheme-dependent talents in the draft. Duke Johnson is coming from a zone-blocking system where they should stay moving forward. Johnson is explosive as a ball carrier. He's an excellent short area burst and enough distance speed to pull away from the second-level defenders. He brings consistency and big play to the offense. I don't know if I super agree with it, but if he came it's from so, that system, if he came from that system in college, if that's what they mostly ran at Miami, I I don't know. It's been too long. Um, I think the first it, step is making Zach Moss a healthy and active, which was what happened. I think step yes. two is trying to even out carries between Singletary and Cook and see if he can do the stuff that needs to be done in zone. And I think step three, if those things don't work, is potentially talk about Duke Johnson. Yeah, and like to show, to tell you and try to illustrate how far back this team has looked for zone runners, TJ Yeldon. Ah, TJ I mean, that, Yeldon. That's, that's a guy they're like, well, this guy could be the zone runner, right? And they just, they never used him. I mean, just they never used him. And now he's out of the league, right? So. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm never gonna fully turn the page on the upgrade the running back conversation only because I don't think it's it's a knock on Devin Singletary. I just think it's they've been desperately searching for that compliment, and I think this conversation is about as good as we've at least that I've listened to or talked about. Like this is as good of a conversation about what the quote problem is and what the potential solution could be about the running game and why you still should maybe want to you know trade for one but why you don't want to trade for a guy like Kareem Hunt why you don't want to trade um you know for a guy like Cam Akers and I think this is a good conversation about exactly what why people are saying no you don't want Cam Akers to the same point you mentioned about the Achilles injury he has right. not looked the same again that's another guy that's not really his own runner it's almost like we know what we're doing Nate it's almost like we well, don't just talk about food I mean we do we do, but we 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 can do because we can do the football thing too. We we've been known thing. on occasion known to do the football thing. Mingle, and we're so gonna finish up winners with winners and losers from this week in the NFL. Nate, my winner is Kadarius Tony. My winner is Kadarius Tony because, as you mentioned, the entire trajectory of his career could be different now than it was before. If there's ever a time, if Kadarius Tony flames out in Kansas City. Was never, Nobody's was never going to look at that and go, yep, right. totally, we can, we can make that happen. Because Andy Reid has a history with difficult personalities, yep. and it's the right offense for him. If you can't make it under Andy Reid in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes throwing you the ball, you can't make it. You've peaked at this point if you're Kadarius Tony. That's my yeah. winner of the week. Nate, who's your winner of the week? My winner of the week, I'm going to stick close by to that, but Patrick Mahomes um, getting that extra weapon, but getting a guy that I think is uniquely, again, we, we were talking about having a unique skill set for the unique skill set of Patrick Mahomes. I think that's a big win for him in that offense because of the man coverage points you made and how teams are ultimately trying to defend them. I think all that's spot on, and, and I think it's a good win for them, but I think, I think you might have posted the meme, the Spider-Man meme of, Justin Ross and like all these guys. These oh, it wasn't me. That was Greg Thompson. Cover one. It was Greg. Okay. Great, great, great memeing, Greg. Um, but I think it's a good example of they have, they've got a, a, a stable of would be, could be wide receivers. We'll see. And if you stack enough of those, those are lottery tickets, Bruce. One of them might hit. My biggest loser of the week is Baker Mayfield. Yep. I think it's over. He's finally healthy. And P.J. Walker is starting over him. I think it's over for Baker. 
as a starting as a preferred too. starting well, quarterback in the NFL. He'll be he'll be brought in as a camp body, right? Yeah. For some teams, and he might start a couple games until a, a rookie takes over. But at no point for the remainder of his career will someone look at Baker and voluntarily choose him as their preferred starting quarterback. Yeah, it's probably right. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I'm I still think there's bad enough quarterback play across the league. Um, and he was the number one overall pick. And those guys do tend to get several chances. So I, I don't know. Maybe I, w- I won't totally turn the page on him, but I could see there's going to be a spot open in Tampa. There's going to be a, a potentially a spot open in San Francisco for if they don't bring Jimmy G back, which it seems like that's just a marriage that's going to be perpetually. It's like the friends that you have that are always breaking up with each other, but then getting back together. And like, they just perpetually do that over and over year after year. It's what it's going to be in and love this point. Hold on. Love this point. Love this point, Thomas. He could totally be a Geno Smith. And I think Geno's finally been surrounded with high level talent and an organization that believes in him. And, and you know, and I know that confidence is such a huge thing with quarterback play. And I think Baker's at rock bottom confidence. Um, you can tell by, cause he's capable of making throws. He's capable of making all the throws. He's not. And, and part of it's a big, a big part of it's fundamental Bruce, but a lot of it's mental too. It's between the eyes. And it's like in golf, it's the same way. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not fully ready to close the page, but mostly that's because I have him in uh, dynasty fantasy football. Drink! Dynasty fantasy football. Drink. Um, the thing that separates Gino from Baker for me is that Gino finally got to the ideal situation. Baker's already been in one. Baker has already been in the ideal situation, and that was that was specifically, um, specifically the Stefanski Browns. The Stefanski Browns, good offensive line. I agree. Game, the the good pieces scheme. were good. I thought the scheme was terrible for Baker. I thought it was terrible for Baker. Really? Yeah, I do not think it fit his skill set at all. Getting I Baker on boots and allowing – I think I it's a similar I, scheme to what I you like see with Russell Baker Wilson. I like Baker on boots. I don't like Baker playing under center. I think the RPO game I, – I agree boots is fine, but boots and then having him hit backside dig, that's the reason that him and Odell Beckham didn't work out. You couldn't make Odell backside Beckham dig. winning backside digs, and that's not Baker's game. And – I don't know, and especially but when it's you're not rolling his game because he can't get there. He can't get yeah. there. I just think him it's playing a processing under center thing. is. I think it's uh, playing under center is not is not where you're going to get the best out of him. I just, yeah, and and I, I think you need a vertical. I, I you need a very similar offense to Arizona. I think you need a, a bit of a run and shoot for him. So regardless, we'll move on for Baker Mayfield. My biggest loser this week, Tom Brady, and not. Not any low blows because he just got divorced from a supermodel billionaire wife, but that also hurts. Um, it's very – and I, I was talking about this today with some buddies, and I said there is nothing Tom Brady can do this year to tarnish his reputation as a football player. is the greatest ever, hands down. But what they'll say now, because this is how sports, how pop culture, how entertainment is, it's always – how you're viewed when you leave, when you're done. That's why you hear athletes talk about wanting to go out on top, right? Peyton Manning, 
leaving on top. Nobody remembers really how bad Peyton was that year, his last season. They just remember he won a Super Bowl. They won a Super Bowl that year. He leaves what he was, he got benched multiple times for Brock Osweiler. Um, Tom really, really miscalculated the situation. Now, there's no way Tom could have maybe foresaw the injuries they got on the offensive line in the interior. But in the offseason, Ali Marpet retired. They lost to Alex Kappa. And they didn't really replace. They got Shaq Mason. They didn't replace those guys. And he thought he was just going to come back and we'll get playoff Lenny back and we'll get all the good vibes again. And I, I think he miscalculated the Bruce Arians effect. He thought that he's Tom Brady. He could do whatever. He is not the same player anymore, Bruce. He could still spin the ball with the best of them. But this is a different game now offensively. You have to be able to create. You have to be able to get off script because the vertical game – Short of 50-50 balls to Mike Evans, it's not there. So, yeah, I, I think that this puts a blip on an otherwise flawless reputation for Tom Brady. And, well, flawless. I mean, there are several cheating scandals that he's accused of and, and maybe credibly accused of. Um, but it's just not the way that he should have ended his career. And I know maybe it was the desire to go out on top, Bruce, and believing that he could come back and win a Super Bowl. Look at the NFC. You know, Russell Wilson's out of here now. I don't really believe in Kyler Murray and Geno Smith. Like, come on. Like, I, I'm, And this division's terrible. This is, could be a year that we win a Super Bowl. Just a little naive, I think. Jeremy says, my wife Michelle was asking why she should turn off Below Deck Show to watch this with me as I'm trying to make her a Bills fan. So tell her. Here's the reason why. You can always go watch Below Deck later on and get yeah. the exact same experience that you would have gotten if you'd watched it live. But you don't get the same experience. No watching this live as you do listening to it in podcast form. It's just different. The energy is different. Yep. That's the answer, Jeremy. That's the answer. Charles says RPO. Very important, Charles. Nate's talking about RPOs, run pass options, not zone reads. He's not talking about zone reads with Baker and Baker getting out onto the edge perimeter as a runner. He's Correct. talking about RPOs where you know Baker can put the ball in the belly of the running back and make a decision based on keying on a linebacker if he's going to draw and fire, which Baker Tua. has been really, really, really good at. What at Tua making does. those quick decisions, what Tua does, making those quick throws over the middle of the field. So very, very important that we just make the distinction between RPO Not and right read. Yep. So thank you, Bruce. Great, co great co-host once again. That's what we do. So biggest winner. Biggest loser. Done. I have one more thing before we leave. Oh, you have one more thing. Oh, you're springing it on me at the last minute. I think I'd like to put some odds on a third consecutive week of us having the same answer to our oh, segment. Really? What? Okay. Does anybody, does, I guess, does the, any of our listeners want in on this action? The chances that Bruce and I. Well, we didn't really have the same thing this week. It was Wendy's fries versus BK fries. It was close. It's, it's too close for comfort. All right, fine. No, that's fine. You're right. You're right. It's uh, I semantics. I'm calling semantics, but it's literally. It's literally I am semantics. nothing if not full of semantics. Yeah, and that's it. All right. Carl's right. Fine. Live Plus is a trillion, trillion times better. It's been mathematically proven that being live for Food for Thought is a trillion times better than listening it's, to it on Saturday mornings as a podcast. It's good for your health. It's good for your health. It's good for your health. You're going to like the way you feel. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I guarantee it's good. It's good for your health. Uh, we just combined two things and one of them being men's warehouse. So 
Gotta love if it. you enjoyed your time with us, mm. please make sure that you hit all the engagement buttons. Like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the, the, the buttons that make the dopamine go off, the dopamine tell buttons. Us what you, tell us what you think. Tell us what you think. Thank you so much for being here. Everybody yes. in the comments section, everybody who makes us such a good time. I hope that you played along. I hope you enjoyed the drinking game. Mm. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I hope the Bills win. And I hope you didn't leave hungry. <laughs>